Happy New Year. Um, I am not a big uh, New Year's resolution guy. I feel like if you've got something you need to do, start now. I don't like to have to wait for the New Year's to do it. However, New Year's is a great time to start something. So I'm not, Elizabeth's like, Paul, Paul doesn't like New Year's resolutions. That's not true. I don't like waiting for New Year's to start a New Year's resolution. I like, if, you're, if you need to start something, why not start now? Back in 2009, I lost 60 pounds doing Weight Watchers, and I started, I think, the day, I think it was like the 27th or 28th of December. And Elizabeth goes, don't start now. Start after the New Year's. We're going to be going to parties, and you're going to be eating food. And I'm like, why would I want to put five more pounds on and then have to start after that? Why not just go ahead and start now? And it made it hard on everybody, <laughs> but because uh, Elizabeth helped me so much with the cooking, um, but didn't help me so much. She did it all. But... Uh, Start now. Start now. I want to encourage you, start now. Uh, this year is a, is a cool a cool year, 2020. Uh, Nolan said don't use the word 2020 because people mess up writing the year 2000 now. And anyway, I'm like, sorry, I'm going to use it. 2020. Father God, speak to us this morning. Speak to us this year. Bless us this year. Let us hear your word and be doers of your word. Father God, that your Holy Spirit would work in us and move in us and change us, and we would line up with what you desire. Thank you, Lord, and that you give us the desires, and through that, you give us the desires of our heart, and you do it all. Bless us this year, Lord. All right, 2020. I had to ask Pastor Justin to explain to me 2020 vision. I mean, I kind of know what I know 2020 vision is good, but I didn't really get the math or the understanding behind it. And maybe you're like, you're like that, maybe you're not. If not, just kind of tune me out for just a second. Um, but it measures the way we see in measurements of 20 feet. So meaning if you have 20, 20 vision, you can see clearly at 20 feet what should be normally seen at 20 feet. Everybody say amen. Just going to assume you understand what I'm saying. You see at 20 feet what you should be able to see at 20 feet. But if you have 2100 vision, that means that you must be as close as 20 feet to see what a person with normal vision can see at 100 feet. Well, with your glasses on, I'll assume you have 2020. But for instance, I cannot read what's on my screen in the back right there. I need to be at a different distance. So if you have 2020 vision and I have 2100 vision, I have to be 80 feet closer to what you are to be able to see the same thing the same, with the same clarity. Does that make sense? Scripture tells us that we do not see clearly. We see darkly. We see dimly. It is not clear. As awesome as you are, as awesome as you think you are. Can that sink in for just a second? As awesome as you think you are and as much as you think you know. Um, I had a funny conversation with um, Whitney Upton about how smart she is with sports. And she said, I don't know it all, but I know a lot. My wife once coined a phrase, I don't know everything, but I know a lot. <laughs> and it's true. Sorry, I've got the microphone, so that's the way that goes. Yeah. Um, as good as we think we see. Now, I'm talking about you hearing the Lord. 
I'm talking about in your own direction, in your own vision, and your own desires. As good as we think we have understanding and vision and hearing, we only have such good. It says that we see through a glass darkly. Can we look at that scripture? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified a few times this morning. Uh, but it says, for now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly, a blurred refre- reflection, a riddle, uh, an enigma. But then when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. I want to encourage you to recognize you don't see clearly. As strongly as you think you know things, you still see through your vision. However, with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord walking with you, we see clearer. If not, at times, I think we see clearly. I think the Lord gives us clear vision at times. I do not walk around with 100% 20-20 vision at all times because I don't recognize it, but sometimes I have gone back to self. I'm sorry, I have to pause. Go Titans. I saw Bruce and Sarah, and I'm like, oh man, how do I do this? Bruce has not got his jersey on. I couldn't believe he didn't wear it, but anyway, I kind of get why he didn't wear it, but Vols squeaked one out, Titans won, it's a good week, Predators lost their winter classic, but you can't have everything. So, sorry. Um, We don't see clearly. I've got a lot to say today, but if you don't get that part, it's hard for God to be able to speak to you. If you don't get the part that you don't see clearly and you need God's wisdom and his favor and his word and his spirit to help you see clearer, you're not going to be looking to him to be able to see things right. And it says in scripture, things seem right to a man. The direction he's going in seems right, but it leads to death. It seems right. And listen, that's for the believer and the unbeliever. We must hear God. So how do we hear God clearer? And this is so basic and I'm not even going into it today, but we see clearer by the word. The word is a measuring tool. It's something to look into and to be able to see what's going on in our own hearts. It shows us what's in our heart by looking into his word. It washes us. The word washes us. Now, you may not realize it, but without the word, you're dirty. And you need to be washed. We see clearer by the body. Why? Because God has put us together with people that have words and wisdom for us. I, get, I need to be surrounded by wise people. God says that the way you find an answer is to get a lot of counsel. What's the reverse of that? No counsel, you don't get the right answer. As great as you think you are. We need each other. You need the body. And thirdly, you need the Holy Spirit. Those aren't in any order. Um, In fact, really, I don't want to put them in order at all. Um, But the Holy Spirit, the Word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Why? Because you need teaching. 
We can, how many of you have read a word and you looked at it one way and you looked at it for years until all of a sudden you got revelation of that same word and it's a little bit different than the way that you saw it? Why? Because his ways are higher than your ways. His level is higher than our level. No matter how much education or experience I have, there is another whole level to go to because God's at it and I'm not. And that can be given to me by the word, by the body, and by the spirit. I'm going to give you a few uh, scriptures to back this up and then we're going to go on to uh, my main point for today. Number one, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. If you are searching for truth, this is the source. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is truth. The Word is truth. You must look to the Word for truth. John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. He will not speak on His own initiative, but He will speak whatever He hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son. And He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. What's so amazing about seeking truth is that if you seek the Father, if you seek the Son, if you seek the Holy Spirit, you'll get the same truth all three times. You won't get conflicting words. They're one and the same. The Holy Spirit only speaks what the Father is speaking on, and what the Father speaks on refers to Jesus, which is the Word. They're all connected. Then finally, John 14, 26 from the Amplified says, But the Helper... John 14, I didn't flip, we didn't flip on that page, did we? I'm sorry. John 14, 26, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I've told you. Does anybody have issues forgetting? Did you forget? Did you forget you have issues of forgetting? I don't know if it's, I hate to even share it this, but I think that I'm getting more forgetful the older I get. I wonder if I just forget the things I want to forget. Um, but that's the Holy Spirit's job. You dig into the Word, you dig into the Spirit of God, you dig into Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you remember when you need to remember. It's not one of those things where you're going to show up for a test that you've crammed for and there's nothing. You're looking at the question, you know you studied it, but there is nothing there to draw from. That's when the Holy Spirit kicks in. The Holy Spirit would say to me, Paul, you have worked, you do know this, you're not remembering it, but let me help you. Why? Because He is the helper. He is the teacher. We must have the Holy Spirit. So today, I want, it's a 2020, a 2020, a new year. I would just want to talk about goals. I'm a big goal setter. I like setting goals. We just had a goal setting kind of a dinner with our family yesterday. It was pretty low key. It wasn't too intense. It didn't take too crazy long. If I take too long, my kids check out and they go find something else to do or they get in their phones. So you got to keep their attention. And you got to make it short and sweet. It's really kind of how I like it. Get to the point. But setting goals is by far one of the most important things that people can do uh, if you want to accomplish something in life. And why is goal setting so important? 
Now, I'm going to give you scripture to back this up, but in life, you're either a part of somebody else's plan, which isn't bad, or a part of your own plan. And people who don't set goals tend to just go with the wind and believe um, that life happens to them or that whatever they have or don't have is due to a matter of luck. It's not true. And to those free spirits, goal setting is not, um, does not put you in chains. I think for free spirits, you know, me being a, uh, when Dave Ramsey kind of lines you up into two groups, nerds or free spirits, I do fall on the nerd side. I like spreadsheets and I do like order. Um, But you're going to see that with goals as you're following the Lord, he does not go by your spreadsheet. He doesn't go by your timetable. And I've got a beautiful (laughs) timetable. If you ever wonder, just ask me. I'm telling you, I'm a stickler. So for those that are free spirits setting goals, there's the same challenges for those that are nerds setting goals. Because God's way is different for both of us. But imagine two sailboats on the ocean, one saying, I want to go to the Bahamas and sets a course for the Bahamas and gets there. The other one never even thought about the fact that it's important to have direction, just goes on the ocean, enjoys a day at the sea, and just goes with the flow and winds up in Afghanistan. Can you imagine in your life just not setting goals and winding up where you are and then not liking where you've wound up? Well, whose fault is that? It's not God's fault. You didn't set a course. God has a plan for you. He has a place for you to go, a place for you to be, a thing for you to do. But it's the difference between setting goals and not setting goals. It's the difference between taking control and charge of your life versus letting your life take control of you. The last few weeks I've been talking about emotions and not letting your emotions steer you. And I I, I, I probably, I don't know that I should share this, but I'm going to. Um, I kept hitting the front pew after delivering that message and just said, I just can't connect. I'm not connecting. It's, it's not working. And Elizabeth just finally said to me this weekend, the reason it's, you're not connecting with it is because it's not you. You're not an overly emotional person. You're trying to teach on something that you're really not flying off the... Now, she said, now anger, I can have... Because that's my next point. This whole thing over emotion is built up to be able to talk about anger management and about how the Lord teaches us to handle anger. That I can identify with. But every time I'd sit down, I'd say, I can't get it. It's not clicking. But people would come up week after week and we would have our great Wednesday night discussion and everyone would join in. And I know people were identifying with it. I just wasn't. Um, So I say that to say... um, we need to set goals. And I want to give you some points on how to set goals, but research is, and I've got a point to what I just said there, but taking charge doesn't mean not enjoying the journey or going with the flow. It simply means you enjoy the journey, but you know where you're going. You know where you're going and you work toward it on a daily basis until you get there. So research from Harvard uh, University took two distinct groups of people. And the low achievement group, when asked to set goals and perform the same task, achieved significantly higher performance and success rates, coupled with higher levels of motivation and drive and happiness. Now, because my wife's a PhD and is a researcher, I have to give the research before I can talk about anything. I've got some that are like, 
What's the research behind that? Well, that was it. I've got more to say on that, but I'm not going to take everyone there. Just a couple of you need that. Yeah. (laughs) Hundreds of studies have been done and they prove the same thing, that goal setting increases significantly the success rate. Doesn't even say that you, everyone meets their goals. That's, that's ridiculous to say that. But your success rate is highly increased into any area that it's applied, meaning your business, your family, your mental, your physical, your financial, your spiritual, your social areas. So you want to set goals for all areas, not just one, because we don't want to leave these things behind and be great at this one. I don't want to be great at business or even great at church and leave my marriage behind. Or my children. I don't need to just focus on my children and my marriage and leave my job or my spiritual growth behind. I need to set goals for them all and reach them. So let me, let me just also say, finally, before we dive into the word, goal setting is a thing that has to be learned. You have to learn how to do this. I don't believe anyone in here, even if you're a good goal setter, just was born a good goal setter. You have to learn that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a muscle that has to be worked. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to just give you one scripture today on this topic. It's Habakkuk, which is so funny because Ruth Ann goes, what? <laughs> Habakkuk. What? And I had to spell it, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. We don't spend a lot of time there. It sounds like you've uh, hawked up something. You know, you're coughing and something comes up. What was that, Habakkuk? (laughs) Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. I love this scripture. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay tablets so that the one who reads it will what? Run, meaning go. I see where we're going and now it's time to run. Next page. For the vision is yet for the appointed future time. It hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it because it will certainly come. It will not delay. I'm going to give some steps on how to set goals, but I want you to know that when you lock in with God and you set godly goals according to his word and his desire and his vision and your desire and you guys get this thing together, this word is for you. You will reach it. God is on the hook with you. So first, first point on setting goals, I'm going to go very quickly. We're going, to, we're going to go home. Align your goals with your purpose. Has anyone here ever seen somebody set a, a New Year's resolution or a really cool goal that you think, oh, man, that's cool, I'll do that? With no history or no desire or no foundation behind it, it just looks good, and I want that. And what happens? You get going, and it gets hard, and you quit. You've got to have purpose behind your goal. Why am I going to start to try to exercise? I mean, you go to Planet Fitness right now, and it's nuts. It's hilarious. If you went last week, crickets. Go this week, 
you can't get in. So uh, those of y'all that have been going for a few years, y'all know, just wait another week or two. This too shall pass. I'm not kidding. In a week or two, it'll fail. That goal will be over. They, Planet Fitness will have won. They will get money from you with you doing nothing in their things. Because you'll feel too guilty, too guilty to cancel it. Let me encourage you. If you've quit going, cancel it. Stop now. Don't continue stupid. Using Joe McGee's wording. Put an end to it. But we're so good at starting. Why? Because there's no foundation behind it. The reason I started running is because I realized I could eat more if I ran. It was not to be an awesome runner, which I'm not. I'm slow. I don't care. Judge me all you want. But I burn calories, and I eat, and I kind of don't gain. Now, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized I cannot out-eat. I cannot outrun my eating. Metabolism and all this stuff that God's got going on with us working toward the earth is, I don't like it. I don't like my body failing and wanting to get fat even when I do the same things that I used to do. But things change. Church on the hill, things change. So what do we do? We change. Or we stay stupid and stay stuck in the mud. So what did Elizabeth and I, I'm sorry, what did I do this, this last week? I rejoined Weight Watchers. <laughs> Why? Because I want to lose weight. Now when my daughter makes cookies, I don't eat them. I did eat one because I had points. But once I know my purpose, it does not tempt me like it did before. Why? Because I have purpose. I have purposed in my heart to lose weight. I have put our hard-earned money to pay Weight Watchers and uh, I'm accountable to them. They know what I'm doing and I know why I'm doing it. I have purpose. If I don't have purpose, I grab handfuls of cereal at night. And handfuls and handfuls. You say, it's gross. No one else has to get into my cereal box. (laughs) If you want that cereal, it's going to have hands in it. (laughs) Eat the other cereal. My hands will be in this. Get over it. Buy your own bag of cereal. But when I'm not purposed, for some reason, I stand over by the pantry. And I think, oh God, I got to run an extra mile tomorrow. Well, that's true. And it kind of works, but then I start to put the weight on. What is the purpose? When I try to take on someone else's goal, I fail. I get mad. I think I'm a failure. I'm not a failure. It's just, now listen to me. When you don't fulfill one of those goals that you set, check out the purpose because without the purpose, you're going to fall short. And when you do, you're not a failure. Line your goal up with your purpose. Somebody say amen. Amen, Amen, that is, that's a great word. Number two, I think this one's the most important. Keep your goals visible. When you write your goals, put them places that you can see so that when you get up in the morning, you follow that direction. We're going to the Bahamas. Okay, what do I need to do to make sure that my course correction is still going there? Because how many of you know if you start sailing and you get a point and you just go, okay, I'm set. 
you sail for two or three days, but you don't look at your direction anymore. You will not wake up, wind up in the Bahamas. You'll wind up, who knows? And it's not God's fault. Keep your vision in front of you. Go back to Habakkuk. Pardon me. It's a joke. What did it say? Write the vision. Make it plain. So write the vision, engrave it plainly on clay tablets so the one who reads it will run. So it's saying to write it down, put it out so that the runner can see it and let the runner go. You need to have your goals down and visible. Why? Because distractions and roadblocks and stuff comes along the way and all of a sudden these things overwhelm us and we forget our vision. We forget our goal. What was my goal? What happens over the holidays when you're trying to lose weight? Casseroles. Sweet potato casserole and corn casseroles and fried chicken. And I mean, it's just godly blessings all over the place. And without vision, you go crazy. The calories are crazy. I heard somebody say calorie. I don't even want to think about it. But I want you to think about how easy, if we're sidetracked, things can suck us in. And even with sin or what you're looking at, if you're, tr- if you're trying to beat an addiction, you know, even if it's like smoking or something like alcohol or, or uh, I'm sorry, let's just keep going here, like pornography or those sort of things. You've got to have the vision and keep that vision in front of you. Because the second you get your focus off of it, there it is. Sucks you right back in and you are fully you're full blown off the wagon. And then you're just like, it's like the person that just fell off the wagon on dieting and decided to eat a whole uh, tub of ice cream. Don't do that. We fail. Things mess up. What's the next, what's the next step? Find an accountability partner so that when I re- recognize, hey, you're eating a whole gallon of ice cream. Hey, <laughs> stop eating that. We're good. You failed one day, no big deal. Get back on track. God gave us a way to get back on track. That's what's so good about an accountability partner. Why? Because when I set a goal and I don't tell anyone, I'm okay with letting myself down. (laughs) Nobody knows. (laughs) It's what I do anyway. It's my MO. I mean, I'm not saying that about myself, but how many, how many of you have started something 50 times and you still haven't quite got there and you don't tell anybody and you know what, who cares? I'll just, I'll start next year. How many says that? I'll just pick that one back up next year because I'll be better off and I'll be this far along and we'll start it next year. No, that's Satan. You know what Pharaoh said when uh, Moses said, hey, do you want me to can these uh, plagues that are happening? What Mo- he said, when do you want it? Moses didn't say right now. He said, Tomorrow. Why would you say tomorrow? Do you want the flies another 12 hours? Do you want the frogs another 12 hours? Do you want the boils on your body another 12 hours? No. Moses, now. Right now with where you are, 
You can overcome. You can get through what you're going through. Why? Because God's word says that his grace is sufficient for you. And you know what? Even inside this body, as you're setting goals and as you begin to to take this new course and you share that with some others, there are people in this church that won't judge you, but will support you and cheer you on because you can do it. There are people in here that have overcome the impossible because of people in here. You have gotten through things because of the body of Christ in here, because of the Holy Spirit, and because of the Word. But there are others here that can't seem to get through it because our vision, our goal setting, doesn't have the right foundation. I want to encourage you to set goals. Number four, set goals that are worthy of your life. So many times we set these outrageous goals and we try to be worthy of the goal. No, make the goal worthy of your life where you're going. Does it fit for your life? I was telling Sarah Bett, my youngest, we don't need to set a goal for being eight foot tall and, being, and playing basketball for the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Why, Dad, don't you think I'm a great basketball player? Well, you don't play basketball, but that was a joke. Um, but can you see, she's not going to be a professional Chicago Bull basketball player. But set your goals according to wh- what God has created you to be. And the desires of your heart. God, when we follow God and know his word and dig in his word and have his Holy Spirit, do you know what starts to happen? Your desires start to line up with him. Then when we set goals according to those desires, those are attainable. They may seem impossible. Sarah Beth was one of those that said last night in goal setting, I want to set, I want to shoot for the moon because I'll be pretty happy with it with almost getting there. No, we want to get to the moon, but I'm going to shoot for, let's say, 100,000, and if I get 90,000, great. Aim big. Now, goals are not dreams, but that's how you find your goals is what are you dreaming about? And then begin to set those goals to meet those dreams. God's so good to give you dreams. When you get healthy in the Lord, you start to think better about yourself. Number five, that's my last one, anticipate roadblocks. Challenges are going to come. You did not miss God because things got tough. Nope, that's where in Scripture it talks about perseverance and endurance. Don't stop. Don't grow weary doing good. What happens when a roadblock comes? What happens when a challenge comes? It wants to take you off course and it wants to make you quit. So what do you do? When you set your goal, I want to encourage you to do one other little section. What are the challenges of setting this goal? And can we formulate a plan of how to overcome them? So if I'm setting a goal to, I'm going to just go back to exercising. What's going to happen? What's going to want to happen? You're going to get sore. You're going to get tired. You're going to want to quit. Okay, then how do we fight that off? Then you start to list out some, a, a strategy for getting through it. Maybe your goal, and I would encourage everyone to have this goal, is reading the Word every day. Because you need to make sure what, what you're fueling your mind. What's fueling your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I want you to know your mouth will lead you where you go. Whatever is coming out of your mouth, that's where you're going to wind up. So it's important that what comes out of my mouth is good. So in order for my mouth to respond correctly, I have to have the right things inside. 
It's an amazing thing to get around someone and poke them in the right way that the truth comes out. Finally, there it is. Now we can start to deal with what's going on in your life because we've got to replace that. Anticipate roadblocks. Now, we're going to end with, I'm going to ask for you to got, you guys to, con, to consider going home this week and set some personal goals, set some church goals, set some financial goals. Set goals. Write them down. Make them plain. Keep them visible. Make sure they line up with your vision, your purpose. Anticipate the roadblocks. But I want to give you, I want to give you three to consider for church. Now, I don't like people giving me my goals. So I'm just going to give you some ideas of what I'm believing for. If I were sitting out in this church body, what would I be believing for? And it would be these three things. This is literally what I wrote down for my own personal spiritual growth are these three things. Number one, for you to grow. You have not arrived as great as you think you are. You haven't. There's a lot of growth that can take place in you. And church, I'm speaking for me. This is me. As I, I wrote these down in my own. I've got a thing called Trello that helps me do what's called a Pareto, be able to line up my, um, I am, I'm a nerd, but grow. I need to grow. I've got so many areas that needs growth and the areas that I don't think need growth probably need the most growth. But how do I commit myself and how now do I, as I set that goal, so how do I perform growth? And then that's where you start to kind of lay those things out. Number two, give. I'm sorry, serve. I'll go ahead and show you the last one. Give. Serve. God's word talks about us serving. We are all called to serve, to be a better servant in your job, to be a better servant in your marriage, to be a better servant in the community, to be a better servant to a friend. God says, you want to be first, be last. He says, if you will humble yourself, he will exalt you. So a, a way to serve within the church. This is what I'm talking about today is about church, but this is, a, this is really for my own personal growth to serve, to be a better servant. And then finally, to give. You may say, oh man, here he goes, the pastor with the giving. No, it's not what I'm talking about. God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And giving is sowing. Sowing my time, sowing my effort, sowing my grace and my mercy, sowing love, sowing patience, sowing kindness, sowing according to God's word to the local church and to ministries that are in need, to people, even when it's not connected to anything I can get out of it, to be able to help someone that's hurting. God says, when you do it for that person, you're doing it for Jesus, as though you're doing it exactly for him. Those are just three big areas. Now, with our own personal goals, we, we set small, not small, but some big, some small, just specific goals. But I want to encourage you for these three goals. And out of these three goals, I'm going to just show you where my heart is for our church for 2013. Discipleship, that fits growing, that fits serving. Evangelism, Church, we've never been a church that has just won hundreds and thousands for the Lord, but that has to change. We should be a church that is winning people for Christ. 
whether it's happening within this service or it's happening outside in, in other ways, our focus must be for winning the lost to Christ. Everybody say amen. That's a calling of the church. That's a calling of a Christian that's following Christ. And our heart has to, my heart, and I want you to know, I've never been the evangelist, but God can equip me to be an evangelist. But I can tell you, God equips our church for what we need. So there are evangelists out here within you. I know there are. I know some of you. And then finally, outreach. These are the three ways for those three goals that I shared that I feel like the Lord is leading us as a church. Um, Outreach allows us to serve others. Outreach allows us to give to others. Outreach allows us to sow and to meet needs of people that are hurting. It also gets our focus off of us. And let God be God. And let God add to the church daily. So that's a lot. I've just gone fire hose on you. But as the, as the weeks and the months go on, hopefully it'll be like a water fountain or like a deer to a brook. Something refreshing after you've had a tough week and you're going after it and you can come in here and we can learn and we can grow and we can love and we can help others together. Amen? Sorry, that's a lot to take on. But you can do it. I am so for you. 2020 is our year. 2020 is our family's year. 2020 is your family's year. 2020 is Church on the Hill's year. 2020 is Cookville for winning people for Christ. It's our year. It's your year. We're going to take communion right now. And it's a great time. The first of the year, the first communion of the year is to make some decisions. Can I just ask you real quick for just a second? Everybody's moving. All right. Everybody hold on just a second. I got the worship team wanting to come up here, and all of a sudden everybody's moving and shaking, and this is a pretty important time to me. I want you to consider, now, I believe most, most everyone in here knows Christ, but if you've ever, let me just give you two steps. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Maybe you've never made that confession out of your mouth. Maybe you've walked an aisle, but belief has never really taken hold. I want you to consider, um, even in the renewing of your covenant, that maybe you're not as close as you need to be. And maybe you think that you're saved, but you've never, you, nothing's ever changed. So I want you, I want, if we could just bow our heads just for a second before we take communion. And scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will confirm that Jesus is in our heart. Let me just leave it at that. If you don't feel that confirmation that maybe we just need to, maybe we just need to ask the Lord. Jesus, are you in in my heart? And if you're not, I ask you right now to come in. Your word says that all that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if I'll believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that I'll be saved. As we as we get prepared for communion. Would you just consider asking the Lord, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, you've probably been there the whole time, and I'm just going to ask you to refill me. Fill me again, Holy Spirit. I just want to know that I know that I know that, Jesus, you are there. And that as I go to set my course for 2020, I don't set that course without you, but I set it with you.
Save me right now. In Jesus' name, amen.